Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? I feel I feel like it's like welcome home, like I've been gone, but actually I haven't missed any church. I've been here every Wednesday and Sunday, but I just got back uh, late last night, so um, it's good to see everybody. It's good to be home. Hey, uh, quick question. Does anybody know what this is or what it represents? This is the flooring for the family room when you walk in, that concrete floor we've been walking on for the last year. This also represents one of the last pieces of the puzzle for God to finish this remodel project. Yeah. So, again, this was of the Lord. Church didn't pay for this. This was donated. It's like $4 a square foot stuff, so it's nice stuff. Um, so we are just super blessed with that. Um, you know, we, we as a church, you guys as a church, have put $100,000 into this remodel project since November 1st. We've paid absolutely cash. I told you guys a year ago, um, you know, that we needed to, to be able to close escrow and we had a little bit of money to start the remodel project. Sanctuary was still this way. The door wasn't there. Obviously, this was all bathroom, this whole thing. So we started the major stuff at that time. And then we said, once we run out of money, thank you so much, Dan. Once we run out of money, that um, we're going to continue um, building as God provides. We're not going to borrow money. We're not going to, you know, we're just going to do a little bit as God provides. We had no idea how long that was going to take or what was going to get done. And um, and stuff just adds up so fast. I mean, I, you know, I was telling Jeff, he's one of the general contractors who came to California to help us. And I, I have my list of, of where we've been spending money. And I, you know, a while ago when this stuff was real fresh, I was keeping you guys apprised every week. Like, you know, just, just in the bathrooms alone. Like last, those, those new doors, you guys notice the new brand new doors on the bathrooms, the real doors? You know, that's $2,000, you know, it just, like, just adds up, you know, that stuff just adds up. So I'm showing Jeff the list, and he's like, hey, Chris, Chris you don't got to tell me, man, that's what I do for a living, it adds up. So um, each each little piece, but we've just, you know, we've, we've, we've sometimes we get to a season where we got to wait three or four Sundays to save a little bit of money, and then we go and purchase the next thing, or purchase the next thing, or God just does something amazing, and somebody comes up and hands me $5,000 to buy a coffee machine, or, you know, somebody shows up and says, hey, Pastor Chris, I'm, uh, can you open the church? I want, I want to drop off the, the flooring for the, for the family room, and I'm like, the flooring for the family room, really? All right. Well, I'm in California, but I can't open the church, but um, so, and it just, it, we're really close. The conference room, we got some trim top and bottom, a few little tidy things. We get Once we get the floor uh, in the entryway family room, we're going to call that the family room. So when you first walk in the church with a coffee shop and all that is, I think we've decided, we've been kicking around some ideas. The one we're kind of settling on right now is family room um, because we want it to be a family in there. Uh, we want you guys to be able to come in, get some coffee, get a little something, breakfast, burrito, yogurt, hang out. Um, head back to the conference room if we need overflow where you can just sit and get here a little bit early and hang out, eat your donuts or whatever. Um, but we'll finally be able to get all the um, and be done, done. This is all finished. Then we move upstairs and start all over. <laughs> so the building's never done. And so the next um, eventually we'd, we'd like to, we have all that upstairs space. Um, one of the things I don't have a ton of time to go through today, if it's new to you, but um, our our church, our sending church, actually is the main campus for Calvary Temple Bible College. And so I have some information on the back. I just brought it home with me. So if you want to take a flyer or you're interested, you want to look at it when you go. But one of the things that the Bible College does is they, they, they place the interns after they graduate from college to do internships at some of the churches, all the churches around the United States and world. And so 
um, if we could have a place to house them, we could start receiving Bible college interns and, you know, having a couple of college kids here that are fresh and can help with, with worship and sound and, ch- and youth ministry and children's ministry and work in the coffee shop. And it'd just be really, really great. But one of the things we have to do is we have to find a place to house them. So part of the vision for upstairs and the space upstairs is to build a couple um, apartment spaces so that we could receive Bible college interns, maybe some office space up there. It's a, it's a major project upstairs. And, and again, we'll just kind of let the Lord lead and provide and um, go as we can and, and continue to do that. Amen. All right. So good stuff. Good stuff. Let's pray. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter 10. Now, um, I was so blessed this morning um, because one of you who know who you are <laughs> um, came in this morning and she said, all right, Hebrews chapter 8 this morning. And, and that's exactly where we would be this morning, Hebrews chapter 8, and prepared and reading ahead and, and ready to go for Hebrews chapter 8. And, and I kind of love that about, you know, just our style and our thing. It makes it easy for us and you guys just knowing where we are. But um, I am going to take a little pullout Sunday. We're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 8 next week. And so I'm going to share a message we, um, that, that, that I've shared. I shared it at Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City. And uh, I shared it actually this, on this last teaching trip we just got back from. Um, but I haven't shared it here yet. So we're going to do that this morning. And uh, hopefully God will, God will bless and show up in it. It's going to start in Luke chapter 10. Um, let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day. And Father, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be poured out upon this place, God. Father, we pray that this message, Lord, would, would be fresh, and Lord, that it would be a genuine move of your Holy Spirit. And God, there's so many powerful uh, insights in the life of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Lord, what we want to apply to our lives today, Jesus, I pray that it would just be applicable to our everyday lives. I pray, Jesus, that, that, that this, this Sunday and this meditation would, would not be just going through the motions or, or doing some work for brownie points, God, but that this, this idea and this concept that we're going to go over today, Lord, would be life-changing. And that our Sunday would change our Monday. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, we pray for today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would show up and touch hearts and lives as only you can do. Father, we pray that you would, you would heal and, and that you would draw close. And, and Father, that um, there would just be some, some light bulbs that would go on today and some encouragement, some real meat encouragement for each one of us to be relational with you and to spend time with you and to know you intimately and personally, to hear your voice, to receive revelation and, and healing as we sit at your feet as a people. And so, God, we love you, we thank you, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, I, I got invited, Pat and I got invited to um, go to California. We, we were here Wednesday night, we preached, and Thursday morning we, we flew out to California, and I was preaching Thursday night at a, at a men's um, uh, uh, steak and study, they call it, it's a men's fellowship, about 300 guys gather, and they give you a free dinner, and so I was preaching that night, and then... Um, Friday, I was preaching twice at the Bible College. I was I had two slots at the Bible College on Friday, and Pat got invited to teach at NCIC Friday night, uh, the New Creation in Christ uh, um, recovery ministry that we're a part of. And just by the way, let me plug that really quickly in the story. Um, we have here at our church, we have an opportunity through Calvary Chapel and through our network that we have. It's a men's home. There are some for women's. I'm not as familiar with them, but I'm very close and personal with the men's home. It's in it's in Palm Springs, California. 
And it's, a, it's called New Creation in Christ. It's a men's discipleship and recovery program. So something to keep in your mind, keep in your heart. If you have a, a somebody in your life, somebody in your circle that, that is interested and it's free, um, if they want to go and they need a, a drug or alcohol re- rehabilitation program, we have something to offer. So keep, keep that in mind. So Pat was invited to share down there on Friday night. And then Saturday, um, the in, in Yucca Valley, like seven eight churches got together and invited all the churches to come together for a unity conference. And so on Saturday, we, we, I taught at the unity conference, and then at the end of it, we did a, a Q&A panel, and it, it was just an epic weekend. It really was amazing. Pastor Gerald picked us up from the airport, Pat and I, and he took us back up to Hill. And on the way up the hill in Yucca Valley and Lydia, Lydia's home church, my home church, Sending Church, um, the first stop is the Bible College, where the Bible College facility is. And the Bible College was a former um, assisted living facility. So it, it has like 40 bedrooms, and each one is equipped with a bathroom, and um, still smells like old people, as a matter of fact. But it, it is beautiful. They've renovated it, and um, there's classrooms and social lounges and gyms, and they've just completely done an amazing work in this, in this building. Forty young people there, you know, having class. And so we, we went through, and Dad was giving us the tour of the Pat and I, the tour of the Bible College. And then from there, on the way up to the church, we stopped at the, the church's thrift store. And the church's thrift store is, uh, I don't know, it's like a, I don't know, 20,000 square foot, 15,000 square foot. It's a pretty big box, bigger than the box that we're in now, twice the size. And um, just all kinds of stuff going on. We're at the Bible college and just people and classes and stuff. And then we get to the thrift store and, uh, you know, there's people working and people shopping and stuff going on. And then we go in the back and the, the back room is almost as big as the showroom. And the showroom is huge in order to process all the stuff. And there's just tons of people there just doing and working and going. And then... And then dad takes us up to the, the church and um, school's going on. They have a K through 12 school. And so the kids are there and we go into the gym and one of the, the PE classes is taking place. And we go into the cafe and some of the kids are in there having, having food and the sanctuary. The men are all there with the big barbecue because they're preparing for the steak and study Bible study that night. And um, just tons going on. And so um, dad's giving Pat the tour of, of everything and us and uh, you know, at the end of the whole thing, Dad's like, you know, I haven't done that in a long time, like where I just went through everything that we have and kind of toured somebody around like this. And he said, no wonder why I'm tired. <laughs> He's like, we we have so many working parts. And it was just absolutely amazing and fascinating to see. And, yeah, you kind of take for granted, forget sometimes. But, you know, everywhere you went, there was people that were just doing and, and going and you know, and it was, it was just done. It was just a well-oiled machine that had all its own parts. I don't know how well-oiled it is, but it was a machine. And um, so, so it was about, I don't know, 4 o'clock, and I, I told Dad and Pat, I said, you guys, I, I need a little bit more time before my message tonight. You guys, I need, I need to go home and just get along with the Lord for a minute, just packing my Bible. And, um, and he said, well, I'll take Pat up to Pioneer Town. Up there, it's about a little drive clear near there. There's an old Hollywood set that they built in the 40s or 50s or 60s, whenever they built it. And um, and so now there's a bar and club there called Pappy and Harriet's. And Pappy and Harriet's is like a real iconic Joshua Tree kind of feel city up there. And um, like uh, Paul McCartney just showed up a couple of weeks ago and played a concert there. Post Malone was there. Uh, you know, like that, real famous big names will just come through. They won't really announce it too much, you know, or maybe just right before the event. And so he showed Pat, Pappy and Harriet's and was showing them around. And I was back at the house getting ready and dad and Pat going, doing that. And so um, dad's cell phone lit up, had a um, message from a woman. She's like, okay, you can come see my mom now. 
Pastor Joe was like, okay, well, <laughs> um, so he was in the middle, and it wasn't just like, hey, you know, so he was t- t- texting her back, and he said, I'm sorry, you know, it's a crazy day, we're in the middle, Can, will tomorrow work, I can't make it today, and he types out the text message, and right before he hits send, he looks at Pat, and he says, hey, do you, do you mind, will you, do you mind going on, on this hospice call with me? Of course, Pat said, yeah, I don't care, let's go, and so they, they go to visit this woman, well, it turns out, the, the woman, she's in her 90s, um, she was a part of Pastor Gerald's first ever Bible study. Without telling you his whole testimony, he went to Bible college in Palm Springs. He was there for about five years, and then he moved back to Kansas, where he pastored a local church in Kansas for 10 years, and then came back to Yucca Valley, where he's been for the last 25 years. Well, he was four years in Bible college. He, he, was, he had no ministry. He was doing nothing. He was cleaning toilets and, and serving meals and working at the retreat center. He was completely like bitter about it and felt like God wasn't using him. Four years of going to class and training. And he tells one of my life stories, his life story, but it's affected my life, is that he, he was in after four years of really getting to do nothing, he, he was cleaning one of the bathrooms like he did all the time. And he's over the urinal and, and, and he just begins to weep. And as he's weeping over the urinal, he's telling, he's surrendering his heart to Jesus. And he's telling Jesus, and he means it in his heart, if I have to clean toilets until you come back, I'm content to do this for you, Jesus. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked, King David said. And, and so he he's finally is broken, and his pride is, you know, for so long he's been angry and mad. And he would tell a story that um, he was so spiritual, Pastor Gerald was, when he was in Bible college, that him and one of the other Bible college students would wake up at four in the morning every morning and pray that the senior pastor would die. So, true story, so that, so that they could do it better. So he, he, he's, he's in this bathroom, he's bawling tears over the urinal, and, and, and he tells God, I surrender, and, and, and really got to a point in his heart where he could mean it, that he didn't care what he did for the Lord, but he was, he was going to serve the Lord in whatever God, door God would open. And, and, he, and he gets up, and he cleans himself off, and he walks out the bathroom, and the senior pastor is walking by, and he says, oh, hey, Pastor Gerald. He says, hey, I have a Bible study in Indio that we started, and they're looking for someone to teach it and pastor it. So um, it's Thursday. Can you teach this Bible study in Indio? And that was his first ever Bible study and teaching. And, um, well, anyways, long story, this, this woman was a part of this Bible study, um, whenever that would have been, 30, 35 years ago. And, um, and, and she's had a really tough life, and she's been with Jesus her whole life. Her husband died from a, a work accident when her kids were teenagers, and um, she's now at home on hospice. And so Pastor Gerald and Pat, they show up to see her, and, and they start to talk to her, and, and she just looks right at Pat, and she starts to prophesy right over his, his life, and she just says, I see the Holy Spirit on you, and God loves you, and God has a plan for you. And, and she's just pouring her heart out to him, just like, Pat doesn't know how to take it, you know, those kind of things are like, what do you say, what do you do, you know, and she's just pouring her heart out, and she's just, and then, and then Pastor Gerald, like, prays for her, and then when he's done praying for her, again, she's, like, trying to get Pastor Gerald out of the way, like, move over, like, and she's just, like, just prophesying powerfully, a woman who's walked with the Lord for 45 years, and just her whole life, and longer, she's 90 years old, and uh, and so really encouraging. So they get home, and Pastor Gerald's all excited about what just happened, you know, and spirit moved. And then Thursday night, Thursday we go to stake and study, and again, 300 men. And, and so I'm, I'm preaching a message there, and um, as I get up to preach, and God had already kind of warned me a little bit, but I, but I felt like there was there was somebody that wanted 
regardless of what I said or did, God was working in his heart, and he wanted to receive Jesus in his life. And so I said, I, when I got on stage, before I said anything, I said, hey, I think there's somebody here. I think somebody, God, you came, you already knew, God's already been calling and drawing your heart, and, and, and you've come to surrender your life to Jesus tonight. And you're just waiting for the invitation, but I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the message. So if that's you, and God's called you, and you want to get saved, will you stand? I'm looking around. Okay, so and I keep going, you know, a little bit, and I'm encouraging a little bit, but I don't want to manufacture. And honestly, when I stepped out and just said, hey, if, you, if you're here, because there's 300 guys, they're all sitting, and this, whoever it is, if somebody wants to stand up and say, you know, I, I want to receive Jesus in my life. And so I gave, you know, a little encouragement. It didn't last too long. And, and, it was, and it was just about to say, okay, maybe it's nobody's today. Fine. And, and this young man stands in the middle of the crowd, 22 years old. God had been working in his heart. Everybody started clapping for him. We prayed for him. We received Jesus. Before I even started preaching, I said, Pastors, listen, it has nothing to do with your pastors. I said, the Father calls them, the Spirit draws them, and Jesus saves them. And, and this young man got saved, you know, and everybody was, and I told him, I said, hey, man, you've you, you got to be careful. I said, because all these 300 men here, and they're all going to love on you and talk to you, man, and pour into you. You might not get out of here tonight with all your clothes and all your, you might rip you apart, man. Like, it, you know, so... So he, you know, this happens, and then, and then I preach, and then at the end of the message, you know, I said, I gave a more gentle people to something, probably like what I'll do today at the end of service, for more people to, you know, just say yes to Jesus, and, you know, half the crowd responds, and just a good night, man. We come home, and, you know, I, I'm talking to Dad, and I'm like, hey, Dad, how'd it go tonight? Did I do a good job, Dad? Was it cool? Did you like it? Did I preach good? And he's like... Hey, you, dude, that thing with Pat was cool. Like, he's like, I was like, he's like, man, the spirit of God. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but did I do good, Dad? Was I good with you? Did I preach well? And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, you should have been there when Pat was. I was just like, oh, man, fine. And then, um, and then uh, Friday we just had a good day. Pat got a, went on a hospital call for a just really tough situation, got to be there and minister to some families in the hospital, young couples losing a baby and, um, and then Saturday we, we got together for this unity conference and, uh, uh, it was a good week. It was just a great week, a good opportunity. You know, one of the things I've been, you know, eh, never mind. Um, Satan attacks when you go through stuff like this, right? And, and if, if Satan's not attacking you, then, you know, what did, what did homeboy say? He said, if, uh, if you're not facing opposition, you better check your position because if you're not facing opposition, then, then your position because you know if you're doing things for jesus thing in and through your life you'll get satan's attention and he'll try to stop that and, and thwart that and he will come with some spiritual attacks and if and if you're not a threat and you're not doing anything why would he be messing with you you know somebody asked me one time why do seemingly some of the religious folks that we know um seem to just live normal easy unmessed un- lives i said why would satan mess with them why, why would he want to hinder what, what what they're doing so anyways I've um, been facing just little, you know, normal stuff, stuff that I just deal with all the time. I'm trying not to whine is what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> but tell you, I've been facing some spiritual attacks. But um, so, anyways, good day on Saturday. Just great conference, man. We got to do a Q&A. We did this, this Q&A panel, and the Holy Spirit really showed up in that. And 
there were some guys that were dealing with anxiety and depression, and, and God allowed us to, to pray over them. And, I, and, and there was one particular guy that God gave me a connection with. And, I, and, and, and when, we, when I asked the guys to stand up, that we just wanted to pray for him and lay hands on him, that if anybody was dealing in the area of anxiety and depression, um, lots of guys stood up. But this one guy, I don't know, somewhere about here, him and I made eye contact, and his face just said the whole thing like he was going through something heavy, and I was able to kind of just encourage him and, and pray for him and prophesy over him a little bit as the Lord led, and it was good. It was a good, good, good week. So, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So, hey, um, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a story of Mary and Martha, um, and Mary in the Bible is known as a worshiper of Jesus. She's really the icon biblically for somebody who um, sits at the feet of Jesus. One of the reasons that Mary gets this, this title and this position is because every time you find Mary in the Bible, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. So there's three particular um, stories that we're going to look at today in the life of Mary, and we're going to see what did and how did this, this, this lifestyle of Mary always sitting at Jesus' feet, how did it affect her life? How was it practical? And for you and I, as Christ followers, that we are, and here's what I want you guys to apply to this today, and hopefully this is what I want you to see, is that there's great, great value in you sitting at the feet of Jesus, that everything that you do, everything that is born, everything that is, that is real and is fruitful in your life happens at the feet of Jesus. And so we as a, as a people, and it's nothing new, you're going to, you know, this is the same thing. And, you know, like, oh, I go into church and what did pastor tell you? Oh, he told me to pray more and read my Bible more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Only got anything else to say? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Sit at Jesus's feet. Read your Bible more. Pray more. Kind of, kind of message, but not, we, we can get that. Um, twisted because that's really not what Jesus is interested in what Jesus is interested in more and really is relationship with you he's interested in your heart he's interested in communication he's interested in in knowing you and and hearing you and and and, and ministering to you through relationship and yes the relationship is the goal but it does happen through sitting at the feet of Jesus in a practical way and so we're going to see Mary who who just is a an icon of 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 this 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 fruit and this gift and this skill. One of the things that I say is, you know, I want to give you something on a Sunday that you could put in your bag and take home. You know, like it's a grocery store, like you came and, and, and we want to put something in your bag that's practical. We say, if your Sunday don't change your Monday, then your Sunday didn't count. And so we really want this just to be practical and yet real. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. And it says, now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word but Martha was distracted somebody say distracted with much serving and she approached him and said Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone and therefore tell her to help me and Jesus answered and said to her Martha Martha you are worried and troubled about many things but one thing is needed everybody say one thing and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So we have this, this scene of, of Mary and Martha, and Jesus comes to the house, and Martha is in the kitchen serving. She's doing the dishes, and, um, and Mary comes, and she sits at the feet of Jesus. The other thing that I want you to, to know is consistent in all three stories is this. Every time you see Mary, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And secondly, Jesus is, is every time defending Mary's position at his feet. Martha's going to bust in the room. 
She's in the kitchen. She's doing the dishes. She's cooking the food. She's going to say, Jesus, don't you care? Now, whenever you start a sentence with Jesus, don't you care? You know, yes, he cares. And Jesus, don't you care that, that I'm working my tail off and Mary is just doing nothing? Why don't you tell my sister to get off her lazy butt and come help me do the dishes? And so Martha is, is distracted, Jesus said, with much serving. And Mary is just sitting at his feet. Now, is serving necessary in the body of Christ? Does, does, I mean, the whole model of Christian living is, is, is service. But here's what I want to tell you about service and why we, we're not a works-based people. We don't, we don't gain anything by your good works. We're supposed to have good works. God's called us to good works and to service. But, but God has not called you to what you do, but, but what your heart is about what you do. You follow that? You have to catch that. Right? It's, it's easy illustrated in, in tithing and giving. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care how much money you give. You, the guy that gave $10,000... And the woman that gave five, the guy that gave $10,000 doesn't get more reward because he gave more money. And the woman that gave five gave less. God's not looking at the amount. What God's looking at is the heart behind the gift. What God is looking at is what it cost you. What, how, how, did you have to give it in faith? Same thing for serving. Somebody could come and they could serve, 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 serve around here. And they're coming and, and they're doing it unto God and they just want to serve God. They serve in Sunday school. They come on the days off. They clean the church. They, you know, they're, 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 they're shining the bathroom floors with a toothbrush. They're here 70 hours a week. Work, 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 work. And, and maybe somebody else could come for like five minutes and, you know, straighten a couple chairs. And the five-minute person in God's economy, God's eyes, is, is better off and, and it, because they came with the right heart. And they came broken, and they just came to do what God wanted them to do and, and moved by the Holy Spirit. And the person who's here all the time is, is Martha, and is distracted with much serving. Now, again, we need to serve, but in Martha's case, her serving just, Jesus said, hey, you're distracted. You're, you're distracted from what's really important to me, which is relationship. And, and when Mary came in, or when Martha came in to tell Jesus to make Mary stand up, Jesus defends Mary. He says, Mary has chosen, Right? Mary has, or one thing is needed, which Mary has chosen that good part. So you know the one thing that's needed in your Christian living? is relationship. One thing. Listen, there, there's some times in the Bible where, where Jesus is emphatic about a must. So there was a pastor, a Baptist pastor, and um, year after year, month after month, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, every week, the pastor would come to his congregation and he would say, you must be born again. And no matter where he was preaching, what he was talking about, what he was teaching, you could be positive that he would say somewhere along the day, you must be born again. You must be born again. And finally, a young man in his church had just had enough. He was so tired of hearing the pastor week after week say, you must be born again. And he came up to him and he said, pastor, he said, why do you every week tell us you must be born again? And the pastor looked at him and he thought deeply and he said to the young man, he said, well, that's because you must be born again. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just emphatic. And here we have this kind of idea where one thing is needed. Listen, the, the one thing in your life you need, what have you pinpointed? What have you decided is crucial to your, to your Christian living? Is it giving? Is it serving? Is it, you know, but, but on all those things are necessary to give, to serve, to, to, to love, to, to, to spend time with the Lord. 
But, but one thing is needed, Jesus said. And that's relationships, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because all the other things will be born out of the time that you spend at Jesus' feet. And we're going to see that in Mary's life. We're going to see how God was, was speaking to her and downloading and, and encouraging and loving. And it had to happen at, at, the feet of, at the feet of Jesus. So work is manifested. You want to be a worker? You know, we have in the church, we have some like do-something people. You know, and the do-something people are the ones that say, oh, you Christians, you just, you know, you pray, you read the Bible, you sing songs. Well, what do you do? Like, you don't do nothing. Do something. Do something. Do something. But I'm going to tell you, you can't do something until you first sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and when you, and you know, you know the people that are the most do-something people in the body of Christ? They're the ones who do sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, sometimes we feel like, I need to be evangelizing. I need to be sharing the gospel. I need to be doing this or doing that. No, you don't. What? I don't need to be giving and I don't need to be tithing or I mean, I don't need to be sharing. And, and No, you don't. One thing is needed. You don't unless the Holy Spirit is, is calling you and drawing you to do that. And if the Holy Spirit is motivating you to be evangelistic and share the gospel, then you need to be sharing the gospel. If the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart to, 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 for in a certain direction, otherwise the things that we do in the flesh, the things if we try to go out, oh, I've got to serve God, I've got to do this, and you know, I, I have this mind that, that needs to be doing something for God, and I, I just go out and I, you know, I just want to do, 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 it's going to fall flat. So many times in my life I've went to witness to somebody and share the gospel with them, and it was, it was in the flesh, and it just didn't work. It was like, and until God opened the door, until God helped me. When I first moved to Utah, there was a knock on the door. We hadn't even unpacked yet the U-Haul, and, and it was a woman and her husband lived three doors down for us with a plate of cookies. It was the Mormon welcome into town, LDS welcome. And she welcomed us. She began to tell us which ward we were going to thing. And, and then when Lydia told her that I was a pastor at a Christian church and we weren't LDS, she almost dropped a plate of cookies right on my porch. But um, so they were really the first people that we had met when we got here. And I was still learning culturally some things. And so we, we became friends. Lydia started a Bible study, the women's Bible study, the first one. We didn't have a church. We didn't have a building. The church was still at my house. Started in our living room. We outgrew the living room. We went to the basement. And, and she would come. This woman from down the street would come to Lydia's women's Bible study. And, um, you know, and, and I really wanted to talk to her and tell her some things. And, and I would ask them questions and you know, and and one day I was talking to the guy at Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City, who runs the the former LDS ministry. Um, and and so and he's telling me that and he has his stuff and he said that they the LDS church baptized Hitler for the dead and they sealed him to his wives. And, and he has the documentation. I forget now which temple I have. I kept it and I have it in my house. I was so frustrated because what that saying was that he had better position to move up into a higher he was he was worthy of a higher heaven than i was according to their system hitler and, and as you guys know my testimony i'm very pro-israel i'm very pro-jewish and um and, and the fact that you know like i i try to be careful until it comes to hitler that dude's in heaven <laughs> and it's hot where he's at and and he's going to be there forever and, and, you know, and I don't say that about anybody. It's not my place. God tells me I don't know who goes to heaven and goes to hell, no matter what their life looked like. But Hitler, he's in hell. <laughs> and I was frustrated. 
I was mad. Like, and I wanted to talk to him. I, needed to, I didn't know anybody that was LDS. And I needed to talk to somebody about this. And I needed to hear what, how they could justify this. And, and, and this was the relationship that I had. And I was driving my car. And I'm like, I'm not even going to. I'm just going to drive the car right through the garage door. I'm going to knock on the door. And I'm going to show them the paper. And I'm going to ask them how they, how they justify this. And thankfully, by the grace of God, I didn't drive my car through their garage door. I, I calmed down. I, I went home, and, and I started praying for them. I started praying, and I was just asking God for relationship and asking God for opportunity to minister and, and be able to say something that might make sense to them. And, and, and six months go by, and, and, and no real meat conversations and nothing, but I, I, I've decided that I'm going to um, pray for them and, and when the Holy Spirit opens the door and gives me opportunity, I'm going to try to witness and, and share some things that are on my heart. And six months later, there's a knock on my door in the evening, one evening. I'm home alone. Lydia's gone somewhere. And, um, and, and I open the door, and it's this couple standing there. And they said, hey, we'd like to talk to you about a few things. <laughs> like, hey, suckers, come on. No. Um, so they said, so we had a great conversation. Two hours we just sat and talked, and it was civil, and it was, it was honest, and it was good. But it was, it was effective because the Holy Spirit was in it, and it was moved of the Holy Spirit. It was born, that ministry was born at the feet of Jesus. And, and therefore, there was teeth, there was power. And, 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 I, and I keep praying for them because about six months later, within a year, um, he had taken a position in Colorado. And, and now they live in, in Colorado where, where his job moved him to and, and maybe a little change of environment. Maybe some of the seeds that I planted and, and some of the, the ministry that was done will, you know, will bless them when they get to Colorado and something could happen in their lives. And so um, back to our story as we get back, it says, um, last thing in verse 42, it says, um, but one thing is needed and Mary has somebody chosen that good part. Listen. Listen, 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 Linda. This, this is a choice. You're, you're Christian living, your Christian walk, you're, where you want to be with Jesus is your choice. Okay? God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't pick some of you out of hat and choose to, to bless your lives more. He didn't, he didn't take Billy Graham and, and just before he was born or look at him, man, he's handsome and he's, he talks well. I like him better than I like some other people. I'm going to use that guy. It's not the way it works. There was 12 apostles. Do you know that one that was his favorite? He was closer to than any of the others relationally. John. Remember, remember at the Last Supper, Peter wanted to ask Jesus a, a, a question, and Peter didn't feel like he could get the, the answer he was looking for, so he taps John on the shoulder, and he says, Hey, John, ask Jesus, you know, because he knew John's position relationally was closer to Jesus. So why, why? John was probably the youngest of the 12 disciples. Was it because he was young and hip and his jokes were funnier than Peter's? Because the, the difference was, and the reason why John was relationally closer to Jesus was simply, it was a choice. John had made a choice in his own life. Jesus' little brother, James, tells us in this, in this concept, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You have, and I've, I've preached this a ton, every one of you guys have the same opportunity to be as close to Jesus in your life as you want to be. I have as much power of God moving through your life. 
But you know, here's the reality. The Bible says that God gives to some 30-fold, to some 60-fold, and to some 100-fold blessing. Which one has God given you? Which one do you want? Which one have, how does God decide which one of you is going to get 30, which one's going to get 60, and which one's going to get 100-fold blessing? You know, I, I wrestled with this verse for 15 years. Just not understanding how it worked and, and how, how does that apply and which one am I and, and, and how do I know and just God. And every time I read it and thinking about it, I was like, I just don't get that. What does that mean? And finally, finally, God gave me a very clear answer. And again, at one of those moments of sitting at his feet and, and in those moments, God brings revelation. And, and, and I love when this happens. And if you guys have things in your mind, in your heart that you don't understand about God, that when you read Bible, they don't make sense. That's all part of Christian living. That's good stuff. You just, you just keep asking him. You keep talking to him about it. You keep spending time at his feet. And one day you'll have that light bulb moment about a verse, about a thing. And it's so cool every time it happens. And, and I had a light bulb verse, moment about this verse. And God said to me, this is how you know, this is how um, it, it works out, 30, 60, 100 full blessing. He said, you decide. You choose. I choose. Okay, I want 100. That's that easy, huh? And yes, it's the concept that, that I choose, you choose, you get the opportunity to choose. You know, some of you, if you're honest with yourselves, you know when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, well, Lord, I like you. And, and then Jesus said, Lord, Peter, do you love me a second time? And Peter said, well, Lord, I'm fond of you. That's how it went down. But Peter was just being honest. He just wasn't able to say in sincerity and truth, I'm fully surrendered to you. I love you. So Peter said, Lord, I'm fond of you. His heart changed. But but for some of us, if we're being honest, a hundredfold is is in a hundred percent of your life is evasive. And there's some things in your life, there's some things that we do, things that that where we like to keep God at third at thirty. We strain on him a little bit. There's some things we're going to be doing that we, we may not want Jesus to be in there hanging out because it will make us uncomfortable. And the things we're doing Friday night, I guarantee you, we won't stop in the middle of it and pray for somebody because we won't stop in the middle of it and, 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 and do anything that's spiritual because we've, we've made a choice to, to keep Jesus at the 30-fold blessing. And, and in this part of our lives, we need to keep him in the other room for Friday night. We need to keep him in the room for this thing. And then, you know, thing, in certain times of our lives, we want him right here. When we need blessing, when we need, you know, whatever we need, we, 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 God, will you show up in this part of my life? God, will you, will you bless this? Will you bless this venture? Will you bless this business? Will you bless this relationship? And, and we want him there, but, but we, we, we want him over here. And so, yeah, it's 30-fold in your life. But listen, let me tell you 30-fold people something. I want to love you and encourage you, but let me tell you this. If God hasn't shown up in your life, it's not because God doesn't want to heal and touch and, and, and bring power in that part of your life. It's because you haven't allowed him. You haven't brought him in to, to every part of your life. You haven't brought him and, and, and you've kept him at a distance. Listen, God honors your choices. That's a part of the free will of man. You have free will. And God will honor the choices that you make. So if you keep the Lord at a distance, then, and, and then don't. showing up in areas of your life, right? And, and I'll see a story here in a minute where Mary has this thing, man. But bad stuff still happens. Her brother's still going to die. And I'm not preaching, I'm not saying that if you keep Jesus 100, that, 
that nothing bad ever happens to you and everything in your life is flowers and Disneyland and roses. That's not what I'm preaching. But, but I am preaching that God's going to show up in your life based on a choice you make, right? Why, why did, um, verse 42, how did Mary get to, so how, how, how did God decide which one of the sisters should do the dishes and which one should hang out with him? Mary and Martha, one's in the kitchen doing dishes and one's sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging out with God. How did God decide which, which one of the sisters would have to do the dishes? Martha chose. Mary chose. It's a choice that, that, that Mary made to, to be a worshiper and, and, and to choose. And then when Martha busted in and said, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus said, Martha, leave her alone. Mary's chosen her place. He defended her position. Not that he didn't love Martha. He loves Martha. The narrative's going to tell us in a minute. Jesus loved Martha. I, I, I'm very thankful that the Holy Spirit recorded for us in this narrative that, that emphatically, and it doesn't say this about in, uh, too many individuals in the Bible. I don't know of too many specific individuals where the Bible says, the Bible says Jesus loves you, God loves us. But this says Jesus loved Martha. And, and because it's not about the love of God. God loves you unconditionally. The love of God in your life, it can't change. God cannot love you any less. God cannot love you anymore because he's made, like Mary, a choice to love you supremely. The very essence of God is love. This is, but this is not about love. This is about intimacy and relationship. Do you guys have anybody in your lives, maybe a, a family member that lives in another state or another place that you love dearly? Anybody? Raise your hand if you have someone out of state, out of the where. Okay, so you love this person supremely. Now, other than an occasional visit and phone call, relationally, the truth is you just can't be as relationally close to those people, Right? as you are to the ones that live in your house. Because the ones that live in your house, you're, you're with them. And relationally, you're closer. You know a lot more about them. You, 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 know, you, you know ins and outs, right? So, relationally, you're close. All right, so in the next story, we've got to speed this up a little bit. Let's, hey, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 26.6. We're going to try to go through this one quick so we can get to the last one. So in this story, now we're going to see Mary again. Where are we going to find Mary? At the feet of Jesus, where we always find her. Now, this is um, in what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, um, and Luke, very similar in a lot of ways. And then John kind of did his own thing in the fourth gospel. But in the Synoptic Gospels, details to this story we don't have here in Matthew. I'm going to fill them in. And it says, um, they're, in, they're in John's gospel if, if you want to uh, uh, find them, though. It says, and when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for, for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the world, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And here we are 2,000 years later telling the memorial about this day and this proclamation where Jesus again is found defending Mary and her position of sitting at his feet. The other gospels, this is the same story. You're probably familiar with the story of the woman who broke the oil and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she washed his feet with her hair. That's this story. That's the anointing at Bethany. 
in, in, this, in this narrative, he just says she poured it on his head. But when we get all the details and we put them together, she poured it on his head and his feet, and she washed his, washed his feet with her hair. That, that bottle of, of fragrant oil, that alabaster jar of oil, was equivalent to today of your savings account, your checking account. They didn't have banks where you kept your money, where you stored up cash and, and saved your money. So you had livestock. You had, for women, she had a dowry. And, and so that was her livelihood. That was her security. That was her protection. And, and, and the oil, I don't know what it would have been worth in today's standards of $10,000, $5,000, $20,000. But everything that she had in her life in savings and in security was in this jar. And it's the way you would keep your savings. And when you needed it, you would sell it for, for a lot of money. And when it says it's a very costly, the Bible doesn't exaggerate. God cannot exaggerate. So it's a very costly jar of oil. So, so this act of worship on Mary's part, what did it cost her? You guys aren't sure? A lot. <laughs> it cost her everything. Everything she had. That would be equivalent. Some of you more than others. Some of you, a lot of you, a lot more than me. What do you have in your, don't, don't tell me, because <laughs> I'll ask you for some of it. You know, the church always needs money. We're building, right? Um, how much money do you have in your savings account? How much money do you have in your 401k, in, in, in everything that you have? It's the same equivalent of taking everything that you have liquid and, and, and giving it in an act of worship to Jesus. Everything this woman had that was her security and, and it was very costly. Listen, worship is very costly. And it costs her everything. God is interested in that. That's why the who gave less than, than a penny, two mites. That's why Jesus so commended her and said, man, what she did was such an act of worship. And all those rich guys that came up and dropped a bunch of big wads of $100 bills in the offering, that was nothing. They can afford it. It didn't cost them nothing. They didn't have to use any faith. This woman doesn't know where she's gonna, how she's going to pay for lunch because she just gave everything she had. And, and that's the heart. And Mary gives everything she has, and she washes his feet with her hair, and she's worshiping him. And then... Um, one last detail, and then we're going to go to John's Gospel. But it says, um, this, this is so important, you guys. Oh, in John's Gospel, it says that the, the, the fragrance filled the house. When she broke that oil, that, that perfume, it filled the house. Mom and Dad, listen to this. If, when, when, when you are a, a worshiper at Jesus' feet in your home, and, and you spend time with Jesus in the morning, in the Word, in, in, in worship, and in prayer, and devotion, and relationship, in fellowship, wanting to hear his voice, talking to him, receiving from him. That creates a fragrance in your life and in your house, and it fills your house. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your house. They don't have to see you doing it. Kids, kids, kids know. They see right through it. They, they can just see it. It's the fruit of God. And the fruit of God, it can't be faked. But, but what happens when we become worshipers of Jesus, it affects our environment. And that aroma and that desire to be desired is, is what we all have. You know, we often say as Christians, right, that the, the number one comment that we could get or compliment and, and desire would be for somebody to watch you as a Christian and say, I, there's something different about you, and I don't know what it is, but I want what you have. I want what you have, and that's the fragrance. That comes, you want someone to say that about your life? Don't go act better and be good and be nice and be generous. You're going to spin your wheels off, dying, trying to do good work so people will see you that way. You want people to see you that way? Here's what you do. Anybody? What do you do? There's a few of you that I'm preaching to today. You sit at the feet of Jesus. And out of that relationship, out of that devotion and commitment, 
God puts those, those things in your life. Now look what it says. This is so key. You've got to catch this. Verse 12. She did it for my what? She did it for my burial, Jesus said. Do you, I, listen, maybe you don't know, and I've got to just kind of go over it, but the disciples missed the fact that Jesus was going to die on a cross. They didn't understand that. Jesus told them over and over and over and over again, and it wasn't until after he rose from the grave and, and they saw him resurrected did the pieces start coming together. They were so thick in their minds that, that Jesus was going to be the Messiah who was going to rule and reign, that he was going to overthrow the Roman government, that he was going to have victory on, on that trip. He's not going to be until the next trip when he comes back as the king. Both prophecies parallel, and they understood the prophecies of him being Lord of Lord and kings of kings, but didn't understand the prophecies that he was going to be a suffering servant. And no matter how many times he told these 12 knotheads, they didn't get it. Peter said to him, not so, Lord. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't understand. They didn't understand. So let me ask you this. These 12 guys that, that were the future of the world, the world depended on these 12 guys, and Jesus had the singular task of, of training them and raising them and teaching them and pouring into them. And, and, and Jesus couldn't communicate to them, and maybe that's a bad way to put it. They didn't, they didn't get it, that he was going to die. And Mary, she understood it. She got it. Is that just because you women are so much smarter than us guys? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> that might be true, but, but that's not the reason that, that, that Mary had this revelation. Mary understood this. Why? A few more now I'm preaching to. Because she sat at the feet of Jesus. She, she got that revelation downloaded and she understood it that because it was relational and God was able to speak to her. And it was in those moments that she, in the word or however, understood something that she previously didn't understand. Something that was real and that God gave her and she saw it and it made sense. And the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. And the, and the Bible is spiritually discerned. Which means when the Holy Spirit tells you what it means, then it's boom. And she got it, and she understood it, and she came, and she washed his feet, knowing he was going to die in a couple days. Listen, at the feet of Jesus, God brings revelation in your life. At the feet of Jesus, God brings healing in your life. At the feet of Jesus, God brings power into your life. And, and again, the whole good works kind of struggle dichotomy, it, it's sitting at the feet of Jesus that, that God motivates you and prompts you and, and, and gives you the desire to do good works and gives you the, the ability to do good works. Now, let's check out the last story. Um, this one we find in John's Gospel of Mary where we pick up and we see another story of Mary. In John's Gospel in, um, in the 11th chapter, and, and this is one of the great I am statements of, of John 11.6. No, I'm sorry, not 11.6. 11.17. The, the Gospel of John is, is surrounded with seven great I Am statements. So we, we, we know this one really well because it's one of the great seven I Ams of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. And so Jesus is the resurrection and life. Let's check out the last story of Mary and see um, the thing. So it says in verse 17, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. The original King James said, by now he stinketh. 
Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the other women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now listen, let me just give you the narrative real quick um, that I skipped. Jesus was relational with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. I, I kind of have the idea and, you know, just a thought that, that, that Jesus was, in a human sense, um, was very, and we know this, was very relationally close to Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Possibly before Jesus' earthly ministry started at 30 years old, maybe growing up they lived close to each other, or maybe, maybe they did business, their parents did business together, and, and that Jesus had a childhood friend um, with some of these guys, or with Lazarus particularly, and Mary and Martha, and and then throughout his earthly ministry, Martha does a lot of the practical ministry that has to be done for Jesus. She cooks for him, and she, she cleans for him, and she washes his clothes, and, and she takes care of his, his human needs. And, um, and, and Lazarus is just his, his, his humanly best friend, his, his buddy. And so Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick, and Mary and Martha send word, and they say, Jesus, our brother is very sick. Come quickly. Come quickly. And Jesus is tight with his family. They're family friends. And, and, and Jesus doesn't come that day. And they're saying like, hey, come. They text him and they say, come right now. And, and, and then um, he, he doesn't come that day. And then, and then the next day, he doesn't come. And the disciples even are getting a little antsy. And they're saying, hey, are we going to go? And, 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 and Jesus said, no, Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples are like, oh, we're going to get well. And then he tells them plainly, no, he's dead. And they wait, and four days, Jesus just doesn't go and, 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 and to, to where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. So on the fourth day, Jesus finally, and they, they're expecting him and hoping he's coming every day. So on the fourth day, they get word, Mar- Mar- Martha and Mary are in the house. Lazarus has already been buried in the tomb. And, and Jesus traveled with the, with a posse, right? He had the 12 guys, at least 13 of them, probably some hangers on. And so, you know, they're, they're coming down the dirt road and someone sees that Jesus and, and the boys are coming. And they go in the house and they say to Mary and Martha, hey, Jesus is coming. And immediately, what does it say? Look at this. Were you guys with me? Where am I at? I'm lost. Okay. Um, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. So they, they come in the house and they say, Martha, Mary, Jesus is coming. And Martha's like, oh, really? Jesus is on the road? And she goes like, I'm going to get him a piece of my mind. And she marches right out to the road. And she's going to tell him what's going on. Immediately, that's her reaction. And she gets out to the road. Well, first of all, look where it says Mary's doing. It says Mary's just sitting in the house chilling. And Martha, when she gets there, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Maybe she didn't talk that way. I don't know. I'll put a little salt to it, right? But she, the, the point is that she's anxious and she's frustrated. And, and she's going to tell Jesus that if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And immediately she rushes out and she meets him on the dirt road somewhere while, while Mary is just sitting in the house. Look, look real quick, turn, turn to verse 32 of the same chapter and read Mary in a minute. Mary's going to come walking out. What does Mary say to Jesus? The same thing, something different. Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, if you go back to verse 21, it's um, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact word for word, verbatim sentence. So obviously the two sisters are talking and, and this is the conversation. 
over the last four days. And so Martha goes out and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then um, a little bit later, when, when Mary meets him, she has the same words for him. Same exact words, but what we're going to see is based on the relationship that Jesus had with Martha and Mary, completely different reactions. So when, when Martha comes out, she was sitting in the house. Why was Mary able just to sit in the house? When Martha stomp, jumped up and she stomped out of the house, why did Mary not get up and follow her sister? Jesus was coming. She's in the house. She's as cool as the other side of the pillow. She's, she trusts God. Jesus is coming. She has a peace that surpasses understanding. She, she has a depth of character that, that trusts Jesus. She's not anxious. She's, she's not worried. She doesn't like the fact that her brother died. That doesn't, it's not good. Death is not good. But, but she's, because of her sitting at Jesus' feet and because of her relational um, connection to God, she, she can trust God and she can be relaxed in life. Listen, when things go terrible in your life, are you Martha who freak out and, and freak out in life and freak out on God? Or are you Mary when things go bad in life? You have the relational fortitude. You have the, the, the faith and the trust and, and the connection with Jesus that you can be okay sitting in the house, trusting and waiting upon God. It's powerful, right? It's powerful for her to be able to, to, to just have this, this, this life skill, you know, because I'm with you guys. I live with a woman that freaks out from time to time, you know. I also live with a woman who, who knows how to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive revelation and healing and, and, and the things that she needs to, to be with the Lord and to, to have for us, you know, when I'm being a jerk and I haven't been there for her and I'm disappeared and, you know, and she's, she's needing something that, you know, she, can, she sits at the feet of Jesus and, and God heals her and touches her and she... She, you know, she reads her Bible faithfully and, um, you know, she just has that intimate time in the morning. It's just, it's not even a thought. It's just a part of her life. And, you know, she reads her Bible in the bathroom. Is that weird? (laughs) She has it by her makeup stand, her little nightstand. And when she sits down to begin her, her daily routine of getting ready, her Bible sits right there. And the first thing she does is she picks it up and she starts her day in the word of God. And so many times that, you know, she's come out of that and she's, you know, life's been hard. Like I said, I've probably been a jerk or one of you guys at church have been a jerk to her. And she's, she's been a little frustrated and, you know, and going through some stuff, maybe been crying and, 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 and discouraged. And she'll come out and she'll, she'll be glowing and she'll just say, oh, God showed up and God spoke this to me. And God said this and I read that and, oh, man, I'm healed and I'm better and, and I'm, you know, like, like, and I'm, I'm like, we can stay married because if I, I just can't, you know, if I had to do that, if I had to be that person for her, I would fail. I would fail. I'm so thankful that, 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 that I, I can't do it. I mean, I should be able to do a better job at it, but I, you know, but she has that Mary fortitude that, that God can be that for her and bring that healing and bring that peace and bring that power in her life. And Mary has that. And when her brother dies and Jesus is coming, she's chilling. Um, we're almost done, you guys. So then it, then it goes on and it says, Jesus said to her, verse 25, you with me? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And, and so Mar- Martha shows up and, and, and Jesus, hey, do this real quick, you guys. I'm sorry, we're running out of time, but do this. Hey, find chapter 11, verse 5. First four words. 
Chapter 11, verse 5. First four words. Right there. Okay? I've already talked about this, right? Jesus loved Martha. Loved. I love that it recorded that. But when, when Martha shows up, Jesus says to her, Martha, you, you can trust me. And he begins to teach her and he begins to instruct her and pour into her and, and give her counsel and, and, and tell her. Now, now look down, find verse 40. First, first five words, this six words this time. Verse 40. Oh, yeah, that part. Did I not say to you? So that, he's talking to Martha there. So he's, he's encouraging her. He's teaching her. He's, and then he gets down to verse 40, and, and he just says, who knows how he said it? He said, didn't I tell you, Martha, didn't I tell you? Ain't nobody got time for that. He's like, you can trust me. You, you, you know, and again, he's encouraging her, and he's talking to her, and he, he's, he loves her, and he's walking it through. Thankfully, you know, she showed up with her question because we get one of the great I am statements. But the relationship Jesus has with Martha is because there was no download at the feet of Jesus. Because she wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus, the information that she needed to walk through her brother dying, she didn't have it. And Jesus had to give it to her. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so he's giving her information that she previously would have received had she been sitting at his feet, but she wasn't. So, so then Martha comes, or Mary comes, remember we read it, the same exact words, verse 32. And, and it says, when Mary came where she was, she saw him, she fell down at his feet. She said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping with the Jews who came with her weeping, Jesus groaned. He begins to cry in the spirit. And he said, where have you laid him? In verse 35, and Jesus wept. Now, I know that the, the verse Jesus wept, there's a little tiny separation between Mary showing up. But if you really pay attention to the narrative here, as soon as, as, soon as Mary shows up um, in, in verse 33, he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned. So he began weeping. As soon as he saw Mary weeping and saying the same words her sister did, he begins to cry and he begins to weep. And when Mary shows up, he, he, he grabs her and they cry together. And his response to Mary is to weep, is to hug her relationally and cry with her. Woo! <laughs> right? Two, two same exact words, two completely different reactions because of relationship, because of intimacy. If you showed up to Jesus or if you went to Jesus today and you said, Jesus, my, my marriage is, is falling apart. Jesus, my my my, you know, my relationships are falling apart. My, my jobs are falling apart. My, you know, my kids aren't walking with you. Would you want Jesus to kindly and gently pull you aside and say, hey, didn't I tell you? Didn't I already tell you, like he told Martha in verse 40? You can trust me. Check it out. This is who I am. This is what I can do for you. This is where I want to be in your life. Do you, or, or would you rather, if you come to Jesus as a, as a good father and you say to him, Father, my, my marriage is falling apart and my, my, I'm having problems relationally and, and, and jobs and whatever. And, 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 he, and instead he looks at you and he says, oh, man, I love you. Come here, man. And he just hugs you, cries. And you cry and he cries. <laughs> that, that's, that's, the, that's the relationship that Jesus desires. And listen, it's born at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I could keep preaching this message, you guys, but we're going to have to call it quits. Let's stand together. Are we closing? Is Josh? Oh, Josh hung out. All right, awesome. Come on up, you guys, please. 
Josh worked all night, you guys, and he's here uh, leading worship for us. So, yeah, amen. Did you guys like that last song we did today? Yeah, that's a new favorite, huh? It's such a good song. Hey, we want to give everybody opportunity in here today. You know, part of the opportunity is to say yes to Jesus. If, you've, if you're not sure if you're a Christian, if you're not sure if you're born again, if you're going to heaven, um, we want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. If, you, if you're born again and, and relationally you, you want to go from 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold relationship with Jesus and you want to just respond to this, this invitation and this opportunity that God has given you to, to be close to him relationally. And you want to experience in your life some of what Mary had and, and, and be a person who sits at the feet of Jesus and, and God touches them. As we sing this last song, I'm going to invite you guys to come up, to walk up, and just stand right here for a few minutes. We're going to play the song. I'm going to pray for you and we'll be done. But I am going to invite you guys today to come, if, if you would like to, to come if God is calling you, because you want to say yes to Jesus. Because you want Jesus just to do something in your life. And again, the same invitation. You can come if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, if you don't know if you're, if you're saved or not. And again, it's not just to get saved. Maybe you're already saved. Maybe you want to come today and say yes to Jesus. So we're going to invite you we play this song to come. And just stand. It's very simple. You know, there's some power in you leaving your seat and getting up. That's why I do this. I don't do this for me. I don't do this to entertain me. It actually becomes a little awkward for me as we get to the end of this because I, I can't help you. I'm not Jesus. Like, I'll, I'm just pointing you to Jesus. I'll pray for you and I'll encourage you. But the power happens when, when you make a stand and you make a statement to get up in front of people and be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus never called anybody in, in his life um, privately. He never let anybody get away with, with being private. Everything was public. And if you wanted to come to Jesus in the Bible, you had to come publicly. So we do this to make it public. And, you know, we don't do eyes closed and heads bowed and, you know, don't let anybody know that you want to do the Jesus thing. You know, like it's just not going to work. You got to say, yes, I want to do the Jesus thing. Yes, I love Jesus. I want to come. So we're going to invite you guys. If you want us to pray for you and, you, you know, you come. You come as we sing. So let's, let's sing.